Hello everyone, Pastor Steve coming to you from our carport. You can see the tractor looking good in the background. And uh, this has all been tamped down, needs another coat of uh, gravel and tamped down again. This Saturday we're planning to do some just general maintenance around the church property. The uh, trail flower bed needs weeded, there's a lot of big weeds there, and the building needs power washed. So if you want to help with that, we're waiting for the metal to come in. And also it's going to take some time to get this all uh, prepared for the concrete. So I don't have the exact ETA, but if we do shift gears and do that this week, I'll let you know. But if you do want to help with the uh, projects around the church property, it's something to maintain for God and so that others can see that uh, this is a serious place when it comes to our service to the Lord and uh, the excellency of the Lord. So we do need help with regular maintenance, power washing. If you want to weed out that garden, that would be so helpful. Okay, so we are in Second Corinthians. This is our final session for this particular study. We have eight more weeks of of our uh, scatter groups and next week we'll start a four four part series going about uh, money is not your brother that's what we'll be talking about and then following that the miracles of the bible and we'll just find a few miracles and be identifying miracles it'd be a great study i think that you'll like it also if you have space in your home scattered group host if you have space then you can invite others to join you right now midway through and the school has started it's a great time for people to get back into the scatter group routine if they've missed it to this point and so if we need to if the groups grow so large we can find and make other locations with those who are participating so that'd be a great thing it's how you multiply is by dividing uh, really when it comes to church ministry so if your group is growing we're running out of space identify somebody in that group that would like to host and then you start all over in another location so you have two locations instead of one that's kind of the plan for our scatter group so let's go ahead and pray and then we'll come to this final greeting and conclusion of second corinthians uh, chapter 13. father thank you for this time to gather to fellowship to worship to open the scriptures to encourage one another to be challenged and we pray and commit this uh, study to you thank you for the, this uh, last several weeks and really months over this year we've gone through second corinthians thank you for what you've taught us as this study comes to a close and as we start another we pray that you continue to increase our faith and build us uh, up in the faith and grow us together in our service uh, to you as we're serving you as a, a local body of believers lord thank you for this time now we ask for your help in jesus name amen all right, so 2 Corinthians 13, in Bible college, or at a Christian university, any time a chapel speaker would say and read the following passage, some students would kind of get excited and think, oh, that sounds like a good idea to me. And you'll see what I'm talking about here as we begin reading in verse 11. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. He's going, he's saying finally as in, here's the conclusion of this letter. And farewell is a greeting like we would say goodbye. He says, be perfect. That's not sinlessly perfect, but mature or more completed. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. The God of agape love and arene peace is going to be with us. I think that's a great promise. And here's the verse that 
college-age students may get excited about. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now this kiss is sometimes called the kiss of charity. And it was practiced back in the ancient world at the celebration of the Lord's Supper. A lot of early churches did this as well. And it started out like this. The clergy uh, would kiss the bishop and the laymen would kiss one another. And then the women would kiss the other women. It, it wasn't so much the men and the women and the women and the men. But uh, it kind of had like a sequence to it. It was kind of became like a ritualistic type of thing. And on Good Friday, they would always omit this because of commemoration of Judas who feigned friendship with Jesus. He faked it with that kiss. And basically that kiss of charity is not a romantic type thing, but it's I accept you, we are friends, we're very close. By the way, if anyone gets in your face, you gotta be really close. In our society, we uh, tend to shy away from this. Over in Europe and some other cultures, they'll do this peck on, on each side of the cheek uh, as a reception or a greeting. And that's basically what this is speaking of. But it's not a romantic thing and certainly nothing to get excited uh, about in a uh, chapel setting for those college students. But some people would kind of think it's exciting. So how can we ensure that we sense God's presence. And after all, I emphasize that, that point there, or that verse where he said, the God of love and peace is gonna be with you. How can we sense the presence of God? How can we see the grace of God and enjoy his presence and love on a daily basis? Paul tells the Corinthians, here is how you find peace, here is where you uh, find the peace, here's where you go for peace, and here's who you have the peace with and through in these farewell sayings. And he's speaking of spiritual health and peace of heart and mind as we unpack these just short few verses. I'd like to encourage you to ensure your spiritual health. As he concludes, it's not so much a summary statement, but farewell things. Make sure you check up for these things. Have these things in your life. And these all have to do with our spiritual health. Now, he gives this, uh, this concluding greeting. The word here that we find, he says, uh, farewell, finally, brethren, farewell. That's like our English goodbye to say farewell. In Paul's hand, though, the word also addresses the character of the Christian life. Farewell, and he gives these inclusions to include. In the present verse, it stands at the top of a string of four concise admonitions that we're going to identify, and all of these have to do with our spiritual health. And uh, it's his closing greeting. If you, get, if you miss all the other stuff, get this. Basically, here are four things that you need to have and that we should have to ensure spiritual health. So what is spiritual health? I found this, this idea uh, or definition today of spiritual health. Spiritual health is being able to walk in God's presence and enjoy Him for ourselves, yet still feel the world's hurts. That's a really powerful thought, that we still feel the pain of others, but we are enjoying ourselves daily, this presence, uh, this joy in the Lord. 
a person who is born again starts a new life similar to that of a newborn infant. And there are seven rules that someone suggested that promotes a good spiritual health for the Christian. Daily food, taking a pure milk of the word through study and Bible meditation, fresh air, prayer and praying often or you will faint. Prayer is the oxygen of the soul. Regular exercise, put into practice what you learned from God's word, adequate rest, rely on God at all times and simple faith, clean surroundings, avoid evil company and whatever will weaken you spiritually, loving care, be part of a church where you will benefit from a pastor's teaching and Christian fellowship and periodic checkups, regularly examine your spiritual health. So Paul gives them four spiritual health checkups. Let's take the checkup uh, test ourselves. The first is growing up. That means to be perfect. Cheering up, be of good comfort. Gather up, be of one mind. And give up, live in peace. Now, all the things that we've talked about the last several sessions, we've had over 20 messages going through this book verse by verse. Many of the same problems that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians were still present in this generation of Christians, a whole generation later after the ones that he was talking to. According to Clement, around AD 95, the leadership of the church in Rome, uh, he was writing to the uh, congregation in Corinth. Uh, once again, he, he notated that the Corinthian church was torn by jealousy, envy, strife, sedition, persecution and anarchy okay this is in 95 this is a law a whole generation after the generation that paul was writing to and clement uh, described that in history so how do we ensure our spiritual health first off grow up grow up and this has to do with maturity he says to be perfect finally brethren farewell be perfect now they're brethren they are told to be perfect uh, katartizo is the word here, and it's the same word that Hebrews tells us that God used for the framing of the world or the ages by the word of God, Hebrews 11.3, or the completion of this world, the framing of this world. It's used in the fashioning of our body, that the, the, the body the Lord inhabited, a body that thou hast prepared for me in Hebrews 10.5. And it was the body that, that Christ, of course, went to. It's used to describe the restorative work in which James and John were engaged. He saw, uh, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with uh, Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. We talked about this last Sunday. And they were uh, completing their nets. They were mending them, repairing them. And this word is also used in the work of an elder. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, you who are uh, elders in the faith, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness. The word restore there is the same, same word here uh, that we find of being perfect. So, friends, we are being completed. We're not sinless. We're not sinlessly perfect on this life and on this earth. We are involved in progressive sanctification. Progressively, we're becoming more like Christ and less like the world and uh, more like Jesus and less like our sinful flesh. But be being completed is the idea in being perfect. Uh, continue to grow. Continue to grow in the Lord. Colossians 2.10 tells us we have everything we need in Christ. Ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. 
So the God of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at once God, we're complete in Him. We have all of God we'll ever have. The Holy Spirit is in us. We have all of God we'll ever have. Here's a question. Do you have, uh, does God have all of you? Sometimes we step back, we resist, we say no, we rebel against God's clear plan or teaching or instruction. So we have all of God in His Holy Spirit that we'll ever have. Next then, not only should we grow up, but we should cheer up. He says to be of good comfort. And I love this word. It's one of my favorite ones. Uh, comfort is the word parakleo, and it's also used to uh, give us the word Holy Spirit. Parakleto means to come alongside of, to call aside, to appeal. Uh, we can well imagine one person said that with so much squabbling, self-seeking, backbiting, and chaos in the Corinthian church, there could not have been many who were cheerful at their church meetings. They needed comforting as much as anything. Someone with a true shepherding ministry to feed them and defend them from the wolves and to care for their hurts and to cheer them up. Have you ever been confronted with a wrong or a perceived wrong in your life and someone confronted you and addressed something that they felt was wrong or sinful or a perceived wrong or a perceived sin in your life? Does that make you happy or sad? You get all excited, like, "Oh man, somebody's telling me what I'm doing wrong. This is so, this is so great." Um, usually, it's not happiness. Sometimes it's sadness. Sometimes it's uh, anger in our pride. It could be anger, maybe sadness, uh, in in some uh, form as well. Much of Second Corinthians, and for sure, when you read through First Corinthians as well, Paul is calling them out for their sin and their wrong. He's talking to the Judaizers. He's talking to people who were questioning his apostolic ministry, being an apostle of Christ, and uh, questioning the teaching that he was giving. And, and he calls them out for their sin and the times that they fall short of uh, God's glory with the, what they were doing wrong and their relationships and how there was jealousies and backbitings and problems. And he's calling them out on all these things. And whenever we're called out for what's wrong, a lot of times we get sad about that. We feel bad. I failed. I didn't measure up. I didn't come through. I said I'm a Christian, but I'm not living like it. And Paul pointed it out. He pointed it out several times in different avenues for uh, in areas for these people. And so they needed some comforted, uh, some comforting. So he says, be in comfort. Are you comforted in Christ? Are you comforted in Christ? When we realize that the Holy Spirit is in us, he's the one who comforts us. He's the one who guides us. He's the one who challenges us. He's the one who changes us and is helping us to be conformed into the image of Christ. And so when you think of it that way, it can offer us cheerfulness. And so cheer up. Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And God lives in us and he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't leave us alone. He left his Holy Spirit as the one who would comfort us. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. This is where comfort comes from, the comforter. He, capital C, he's talking about the paracleto or the paraclete. He's going to come alongside, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And here he is teaching us. What do we need to know? How do we need to live? He's going to bring that comfort through his teaching. How about his, he's our advocate. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, 
the righteous. And so who's the advocate? The paracoleto, it's the same word. Who's the comforter? It's the same, the same one, be of good comfort. He's the one who's advocating for you. He is the one who's teaching you. He's the one who is giving you comfort at just the right time. And so confess any sin and wrong. Confess your need for the Lord. I can't do this on my own. And that gives you comfort that it's no longer me, but him in me. Realize the comfort. Embrace the comfort from God and enjoy the comfort of the Lord. So grow up, cheer up, gather up. Now he's talking about being of one mind, thinking a lot alike. There's no need for factions in a local church. And there was some factions in the Corinthian church. Some people were saying this, some people were saying that, and there was arguing and backbiting and bickering and problems with each other. There's, there's going to be times where there's disagreement. I understand that. And how are we going to do this? And what about this? But listen, uh, there should not be intense fighting and disagreements that get out of hand. We can come to consensus. We can uh, come to a sense of agreement and unity. And that's what was needed in the Corinthian church. And so he says, I want you to be of one mind gather up we need there's no need for fighting with one another there's no need for comparisons and jealousies that sometimes arise and in their church why is this person getting to do the teaching why is this person the one singing why is the this person the one heading or leading this ministry and why is this person the one doing that work and why don't i get called up to, on this okay there were times where that happened in the corinthian church but it doesn't have to characterize our church or any church that there would be some fighting like that. So be of one mind. No need for jealousies and comparisons. In fact, in one of the verses we read in a previous session here in Second Corinthians, he says, when you start to compare yourselves with one another, it's not wise. It's not the smart thing to do. And so don't do that. You can avoid that. Philippians 2.2, he told the Philippian believers, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So think of uh, the Honda Accord, the car. <laughs> what a great name. Uh, unity, togetherness. We're in this together. We're serving the Lord together with one mind. Romans, he told the Romans uh, believers, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. What he's saying there is, don't be full of pride and be arrogant where it appears that you're looking down. Don't look down. Come down to where other people are at and then minister to them. And then serve together and have this united mind, being of the same mind uh, with one another. And Philippians 2, the, uh, the kenosis passage of scripture the emptying passage of scripture here's what jesus did let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of god thought it not robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness of men the passage goes on to say that being made in likeness of a man what did he do he laid down his life for us and he served us he served god the father's will he served us in spite of our our and because of our sinfulness uh, of humanity 
of our humanity. So grow up, cheer up, gather up, be united, having one mind, uh, common purpose, common goals. That's what we've got as a church and as uh, people who are following after Christ. And then give up. Live in peace. And he tells them, you can live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Love the contingent uh, part of that verse there. If we're living in peace, we will sense and know God's love and his peace with us. Romans 12, 18 says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Think about this. I have two statements. When we surrender our rights to God, it makes it easier to get along with other people. Okay, in America, we have our rights. When we surrender our rights to God, it makes it easier to get along with other people. When we surrender our wills to God, it makes life and relationships better. Okay, here's my will. Here's what I want to get done. When I surrender that to God, that makes my relationships and my life better better in the terms of more peaceful more peaceful now, i'm not saying give up on right versus wrong sinfulness versus righteousness no i'm not saying that at all but you can give up on forcing your agenda on other people stop forcing my will and imposing my will on others that's how we have to look at this Okay, so if I want to live in peace, I've got to give up. Surrender whatever agenda or will or motivation that you have and give that to God and live in peace with other people. Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and ensue it. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Following peace is an important thing connected to holiness. And without that holiness, nobody's going to see the witness of God in and through you. In Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things which one may edify. It means to build up another. There's so many other verses about living peaceably, peaceably and in unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I hope that you'll take some time to find those here in just a moment. But friends, find positive things to say about other people. Talk encouraging words to others. Are there times to confront wrong? Sure, but do it peacefully, peacefully and peaceably. The focus of health in a soul, one person said, is humility. While the roots of inward corruption is pride. In a spiritual life, nothing stands still. If we are not constantly growing downward into humility, we shall be steadily swelling up and running to seed under the influence of pride. And so these are four spiritual health checkups. Grow up, cheer up, gather up, and give up. How are you doing with a spiritual checkup? He gives a friendly and personal farewell in verses 12 to 13. All the uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. Then it becomes more formal. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, that means fellowship of the Holy Ghost, be with you all. Amen. And so, friends, it all goes back to that same statement from the very beginning, this promise, God is with us. God is with you. Does that change? your spiritual health, I think it would change it dramatically when we realize that God is with us. And so let's practice spiritual disciplines that remind us 
to uh, encourage us, to strengthen us, that God is with us, that then that would affect our lives. Please take some time to answer the following questions and have a good time of prayer with your group. We'll see you next week for our next new part, uh, new sessions that we'll be going through. God bless.